On May 25th, George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man from North Carolina, was killed by police officer Derek Chauvin in Minneapolis. Officer Chauvin knelt on Mr. Floyd's neck for a period of 8 minutes and 46 seconds until he died. This incident happened in the course of an attempted arrest for the offense of using a counterfeit $20 bill and was observed by three other police officers, two of whom also used force to hold Mr. Floyd down. Mr. Floyd was unarmed. An autopsy commissioned by Mr. Floyd's family confirms the cause of death to have been mechanical asphyxia and the manner of death to have been homicide. George Floyd's final words, I can't breathe, echo those of the hundreds of black men and women who have been killed at the hands of U.S. police officers over the past decade. These words have become a rallying cry for protests which have erupted from Minneapolis to Houston, New York to London, Paris, and elsewhere all over the world. In the U.S., protesters are rising against the institutional racism ingrained in all parts of their government and society. The rest of the world is standing in solidarity and in fresh challenge to the racism of their own countries. They shout, I can't breathe, stop killing us, no justice, no peace. This is Declarations. Here at Declarations, we've decided to refocus the podcast so that over the coming weeks, we can help you to be informed about the history of racism in the US and across the world, support the Black Lives Matter movement, and respond to the news as it happens. In our second episode of the series, we are giving you a quick crash course in how to protest safely and effectively in the UK and in the US. We will cover your legal right to protest, give you tips on how to protest safely considering the current coronavirus pandemic, and discuss protesting as a non-black person and how to leverage your privilege to help and protect black protesters. So first off, we're going to cover the legality of protesting in the United States. In the US, your right to protest is protected under the First Amendment. This protection does not extend to speech or conduct that incites violence or protests that breaks the law in other ways. Therefore, police may take and have been taking action against protesters who they target for breaking social distancing rules, curfews, or other regulations in place during the pandemic. If you're interested in in learning more about protest law or tracking protest law in the United States, I would definitely recommend checking out icnl.org and keeping up to date on what is going on um, in terms of protest law. Remember that knowledge is power, so you want to make sure that you're as informed as possible before you go out and start protesting. Buffer zones are controversial, but permitted if a protest interferes with the constitutional rights of other citizens. What do you mean by buffer zones there, Muna? So essentially, buffer zones are areas cordoned off where you aren't allowed to protest. So the police can state that there are certain areas where you aren't allowed to protest um, if they believe that your protesting infringes upon the rights of other citizens. But this is a highly controversial practice. Right, okay. And if they make that decision, could the organizers of a protest challenge it? 
Yes, definitely. So I would look at organizations like the ACLU, which do challenge this on a, on a regular basis, um, because it definitely does infringe upon your First, First Amendment right to the right to peacefully protest. So yeah, and I would also be aware if you're going out to protest to look at, you know, which states have passed anti-protest bills. So this has been passed in states such as North Dakota, South Dakota, Oklahoma, and Tennessee. Um, and to remember that even though, you know, the First Amendment protects you in terms of your right to peacefully protest, um, that the government can still impose restrictions. And an example of this is some states have barred protests from um, public spaces such as highways. So just be aware of that before you either organize a protest or attend a protest. Also do remember that, you know, the First Amendment right protects protests that are peaceful, but does not extend to that where a protest starts to become violent or where it results in property destruction. So if this does occur and you are a part of that, do know that you can be arrested. Um, the Supreme Court has also said that you do have the right to desecrate the flag. So if you do see other protesters getting arrested for, let's say, burning a flag, please do note that you know they actually can't be arrested for that because that is legal. So that's something to just keep in mind. Also, if you know, you're in a state and you're protesting and the mayor orders everyone um, to stop protesting and go home, you do not necessarily have a legal obligation to, to, to comply with this order. But do remember that you know, the police and your local government can actually impose a curfew um, and you are legally obliged to stick to this curfew as long as you have been informed in advance so that you're able to you know, leave safely and effectively prior to that curfew. And if you do tend to stay, in, uh, stay at a protest after curfew, do know that you can be arrested. So on that note, let's walk through some practical tips about protesting in the US. So we're gonna give you some tips both on the process of protesting itself and on possible implications should you be arrested and if that happens to you how to handle it in a way that keeps you safe and allows you the best legal standing for challenging an arrest and for um for getting bail and for getting help from legal advice services so firstly when you're going to protest we would suggest you go with a friend or an organization yeah i think that's you know that's a really great tip, like um, a really good thing that I read was make sure you text your friend before you, so if you have a friend who's, let's say, not protesting, make sure you text them before you leave the house when you're going out to protest and also just let them know when you've arrived back home safely so that they can keep track of your whereabouts. That's super important, especially because people, when they are getting arrested, are being held for hours and hours on end. And you want to make sure that there's someone on the outside, whether that be a friend or a family member, who's checking in on you and is going to go and look for you if your phone has been taken off you and you've been detained. Um, and so on that note, another tip is to write down two phone numbers on your arm in case you are detained. You'll want the name of a friend or family member to call, but also the name of a lawyer, a law firm, or a legal advice center or a bail fund who have committed themselves to helping protesters. This is really important in case your phone is taken off you and the only way of calling the outside is gonna be a phone in the police station. 
Yeah, 100%. And like speaking of phones, um, you know, make sure your phone is switched off or either in airplane mode. You don't want anyone else, um, you don't want the state to be able to track you. Also, I would say make sure your face ID, so if you use an iPhone especially, make sure your face ID um, is turned off. And so if you are arrested and the police happen to uh, get your phone, you don't want it to be easily unlocked by just putting it up to your face. So make sure that's switched off. Um, also, when you're using your phone, so a lot of people are obviously taking tons of photos and videos uh, while they're protesting, I would say please be very mindful when you do this. Make sure if you are posting something on a public platform or a social networking site, um, that you don't expose other protesters. So you either blur out or try and not get their faces in the frame um, and make sure that you have hidden any identif identifying fe like features on you. So cover all your tattoos, any piercings, things like that, that could um, confirm your identity. Great stuff. Also, in terms of practical tips, so we've mentioned that you'll want to carry your phone with you, but to take precautions in doing so. Another few things that you'll want to carry with you are medication that you, if you do take medication, especially um, if you're diabetic, for example, you'll want to take your insulin um, and to carry it in its, original, in its original packaging clearly labeled. You don't want any medication that you take being, um, being mistaken for drugs or other illegal substances. And on that note, don't carry illegal substances to the protest. This is, I mean, it seems like common sense, but don't carry anything that you wouldn't want the police to find on you. So that includes drugs, weapons, or basically anything that could be used to frame you as inciting violence. It's also an important point to note that in the US, if your visa status is precarious or you're illegally resident in any way, it's probably a good idea for you not to attend the protests. And I know that might be frustrating for lots of people, but it's more important that you're in the US, being able to be there, you know, being able to have your voice heard and not putting yourself in danger in your home country if that's a situation that you do face, than for you to go out in the streets. You know, there's lots that you can do from home without putting yourself in danger. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a really good point. So if you... Um, if you're undocumented, um, if you know if you know people who are undocumented who you see um, are, are protesting, please be please you know sort of warn them if you know of a police raid or you know encourage them to not go out and protest just because obviously that is that is extremely extremely risky. I'd also say you know you're hearing a lot of these stories in the United States of um, you know the police using tear gas on protesters on on peaceful protesters as well. So. Um, I would advise everyone who's going out to protest, if you do wear contact lenses, choose uh, not to wear them. Do not wear them at all. Um, wear, your, wear your glasses if you can't see at all, but don't wear contact lenses. Also, make sure you bring uh, clean water with you or milk of magnesia. So if you do get you know, pepper sprayed in your eyes or tear gas does get into your eyes, you can flush it out immediately and uh, avoid you know, damaging your eyes. Of course, on that note, it's also a good idea to wear a mask, not only a, um, a PPE mask or a, um, a mask that's going to protect you from coronavirus, but also if you have goggles or any other sort of facial equipment that might guard you from getting pepper sprayed, that's a really good idea too. Um, although obviously with tear gas, it's harder to block that. Um, but let's talk about if you are approached by a police officer or many police officers as, as the case may be. 
if you choose to film an interaction with the, the police, as many people are doing, which is great at getting the word out, especially online, if you do choose to film police, your right to do so, as we've mentioned, is protected under the First Amendment. However, when you're filming, it's a good idea to not only film them, but to film yourself. So if you're complying with police orders, for example, if you're walking away from the police, if you're, you know, if you're interacting with them and not being the aggressor, it's a good idea to film yourself doing this or get a friend to film you. So for example, if you're walking away from the police after they've ordered you to walk away, film your feet walking away, turn the phone down and film your feet so that you can prove that you were complying with their orders um, and continue, continuing to peacefully protest. Definitely. And I think, you know, obviously being arrested is, uh, it's, 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 it's a fear, it's a scary experience. Um, and, you know, this is probably easier said than done, but please, if you do, if you are arrested, try to stay calm. Do not physically resist the police. Do not give them any reason to be violent towards you. Um, do not touch them. Um, if they do try to search you and search your things, do not resist. Um, and remember that even if the police do not say that you have the right to remain silent, you do have the right to remain silent. Um, so only tell them your name, your date of birth and address, but answer no comment to any other questions and make sure you say explicitly, I want to speak to a lawyer. And make sure you make a mental note of whether or not the police have asked you um, and have told you that you have the right to remain silent make a mental note of what they are arresting you for also this is all really important because you have to remember that if you're peacefully protesting you have the right to do that they don't have the right to arrest you and if they're arresting you you need to keep a mental note and if possible a physical note write it down use your phone film them um film all of their actions and make a note of all of their actions so that you can use that to prove that you have been arrested um, without proper legal basis for that. Um, once you have been arrested, if you need medication, we've mentioned medication earlier, and the police have taken it off you, remind them that you'll need it, you'll need to take it, and when you'll need to take it. The police cannot legally deny you your medication or proper medical care. So if you're hurt also, inform the police, tell them that you need medical care, especially if it's urgent. When you can, and when you're offered, call your lawyer, call a legal advice centre or a bail fund. If you haven't been allowed to do this, keep reminding the police until they let you. And if they don't let you, again, that's misconduct on their part. So make a note of that. Yeah, 100%. So I think that's where, you know, going back to writing down the name of a lawyer or, or like a, the National Lawyers Guild on your hand is so important and permanent marker, just in case you don't know what will happen during an arrest or during a scuffle, etc. And so having that on hand is extremely, extremely important. I would also say that, you know, if you do have friends or individuals who you know who are activists or who happen to have participated in protests before, um, definitely talk to them, ask them questions, have conversations with them. They will probably have many useful tips, many resources that they know that they've used in the past um, and help you sort of navigate the space. I think one of the beautiful things and the very powerful things about, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement is that a lot of people um, are participating in protests for the first time ever, especially the younger generation. Um, so I think it's very important to talk to people who have experience in this field.
That's a great point, Muna, definitely. Um, I just want to take a little tangent, in a way, and um, in the spirit of intersectionality and in bearing in mind that protesters will be every type of person, we hope, because it's more important than ever to show solidarity, especially between minority groups. Um, just a note on if you're a trans person, the police cannot legally search you to assign you a gender. And if this happens, make a note of it, as everyone should be making notes of everything the police do when they interact with you, and say the words, I do not consent to this search. You can ask to be searched by an officer whose gender presents the least danger to you. And if you're detained, you can ask to be placed with people of the gender that matches yours, and you can ask to be moved if you feel unsafe. So please bear in mind, you have a legal right to all of these things. We want to make sure that everyone is keeping as safe as possible and is as comfortable as possible, even if you're, you're detained, even if you're arrested. So make sure that you know your rights and you're being vocal about this. And a note to um, protesters with privilege, especially white protesters, cis protesters, people who aren't a member of the LGBTQ community, if you're protesting with people who are particularly vulnerable for whatever reason, keep an eye on them. Make sure you're protecting them. Question the police um, and stand up for them. Yeah, 100%. I think that's uh, such a great point. Um, when you're protesting, you know, your community, your everyone should be looking out for one another. So um, please, you know, knowledge is also power. So please make sure you're as informed as possible before you go out to protest. Um, and, you know, know your rights, I would say, is, is, is really, really important. And so we hope these tips uh, help you before you go out protesting. Definitely. So we're going to move on to the UK now and talk about your, um, your legal rights when you're protesting in the UK. So in the UK, our right to protest is protected under Article 11 of the European Convention on Human Rights and the Human Rights Act, which allows our convention rights to be enforced in UK courts. Article 11 states that everyone has the right to freedom of peaceful assembly and to freedom of association with others, and that no restrictions shall be placed on the exercise of these rights other than such are prescribed by law and are necessary in a democratic society in the interests of national security or public safety, for the prevention of disorder or crime, for the protection of health or morals, or for the protection of the rights and freedoms of others. So let's break this down. In the UK, the police can't interfere with your right to protest just because they disagree with protesters' views, because it's likely to be inconvenient and cause a nuisance, or because there might be tension caused by the protest. Instead, they must take reasonable steps to enable you to protest and to protect participants in peaceful demonstrations from disruption by others. So like in the US, our right to protest is protected, but this protection is limited to where the protest does not break domestic law. This means that police can take and are taking action against protesters for breaking the current pandemic restrictions. Right now, it's illegal to gather in groups of more than six socially distanced people from different households. Wherever you live in the UK, the police can detain someone to be tested if they are believed to be infectious and restrict someone's right to move around or to take part in a gathering. These rules have really important implications for protesters. If you go to a protest when you're showing symptoms of coronavirus, the police can detain you. If you're present at a protest, 
no matter how socially distanced you are, if it's a protest of more than six people that is, we have seen the police issuing fines and kettling protesters. So starting off with the fines. If, if someone fails to follow any of the regulations that apply in their part of the UK, police officers could give them an on-the-spot penalty. This is basically an instant fine, like a parking ticket, without the involvement of the court, unless the recipient wants to challenge it. In England, these penalties now are starting at £100 for a first offence. That's reduced to £50 if you pay straight away, but repeat offences will lead to penalties that can reach up to £3,200. Now, the penalties are lower in the rest of the UK. For example, in Northern Ireland, fines are being issued that seem to start at around £60. This is still a problem for protesters. Police could ultimately charge anyone, anywhere in the UK, with the offence of breaching the coronavirus regulations. That power would lead to court, possible conviction, and therefore a criminal record and even greater fines. However, if you're just fined and you pay straight away, this won't lead to a criminal record. And in some parts of the UK, there have been funds set up to help pay protesters' fines. Police have also been kettling Black Lives Matter protesters, especially in London. Kettling is the name for a police tactic in which large numbers of people are held in place by cordons of police and not allowed to leave. The key feature of a kettle is that people are held within it until the police decide to let them go, or in some cases arrest, charge, or fine the kettled protesters. Police are actually allowed to do this, and it is lawful, but only where it is proportionate and enforced by le for a legitimate purpose under domestic law, for no longer than is necessary. The police will use the excuse of a risk of public disorder and risks to the health of the public to justify kettling Black Lives Matter protesters. The police can only kettle people just for protesting if they believe there's no other way to avoid an imminent breach of the peace and only for so long as is reasonable to overcome that threat. But police have a lot of discretion in deciding how long is, you know, quote unquote, reasonable. If you are kettled, it's a good idea to ask the police why you aren't able to leave and keep a record of the situation and anything they say. It is unlawful for police to demand personal details from you as a condition for letting anyone leave the confines of the police kettle. You can refuse to answer questions and answer with no comment. You can also call a lawyer or a legal observer, many of whom have been present at the protest and in kettles, to help you assert your rights. Police do have a power to take names and addresses without making arrests if they reasonably believe a person has been engaging in antisocial behavior. Um, this can be read in Section 50 of the Police Reform Act. This power should not be used in relation to peaceful protest, however. If you are threatened with the use of Section 50, ask the police to explain exactly what they believe you have done that has caused harassment, alarm, or distress. Take notes or record what they say. Yeah, this is really important. As you've said, Muna, knowledge is power here. And if you know what the legal basis for police powers are, you're able to question them. You're able to say, are you using your powers as you're supposed to? Is there a legal basis for me being arrested here? And then that gives you more power in the situation. So the police can carry out a search at any time if they reasonably suspect you're carrying something unlawful or if there's a section 60 authorization in place. 
Section 60 of the Criminal Justice and Public Order Act allows police to stop and search anyone without suspicion if the police feel there is a likelihood of serious violence or if they have a reason to believe weapons or dangerous instruments are being carried. So this is what we say in the UK when we talk, when we talk about stop and search. It's a sex, section 16. Section 60 authorizations are often put in place for a large-scale protest. However, these stop and search powers do not give the police the right to demand your name and address or to pose for photographs. So sometimes the police will ask you or tell you to be to like stand still to be photographed by them in order so that they can find you later or that they can keep a record of you. You don't have to do this, even if they're using Section 16. So it's important to know that the police do not have the power to make you face them, to make you show them your face or um, to pose in any other way for their photographs. But it is a good idea to keep a record. Like if you're stuck in a kettle, tweet about it, take photos, take videos, and um, make sure you take notes of how the police are treating you because that's part of your power in the situation. Police may have grounds to arrest those held in a kettle if it's necessary to prevent further breaches of the peace or if there's a reasonable suspicion that each individual arrested has committed a criminal offence. Unlikely. If arrests are arbitrary and indiscriminate, the police may be acting unlawfully, therefore. And anyone arrested after being held in a kettle is strongly advised to get legal advice. Now, there are a couple of different organisations that, um, that you can contact that have committed to giving legal advice to protesters. And we'll cover those when we talk about practical tips for UK protesters. Um, but also, I'd like to link you now to the organisation Liberty, which is where we got lots of the information for the UK legality section of this podcast. They're a really great organisation and um, they focus on civil liberties in the UK and a lot of the information about protest here has come from them. If you're stuck in a kettle and you feel that the police are being forceful with you, so if they're pushing people, pushing people over, holding people, holding people's arms, um, it could be that they consider this reasonable force. The police can use reasonable force to form a kettle and to hold people inside it, but what force is reasonable is going to depend on the circumstances. And if you feel that the police have used excessive force, you should get legal advice. If you've been hurt, take pictures of your injuries. You're allowed to record the police in the UK when they're enforcing a kettle. And you could have a claim against the police for the use of excessive force. So the more evidence you have, the better. If you're organising a protest, I would really encourage you to check out Liberty, which is a, a civil liberties organisation, human rights organisation. Um, that are based in the UK and have been the source of lots of our information for this section of the podcast. They have a great page on their website that can tell you all about organising a protest and how to do it in conjunction with the police in a way that's going to help you exercise your right to do so, your right to organise protest, and not be exposed to any police action for doing so. Great. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the practical tips that we mentioned um, for protesting in, in the US do apply to the UK. So, you know, obviously remember um, the key tips that we mentioned earlier, like making sure you have a bottle of water, making sure you've told your friend, um, covering up things that could identify you. So um, please like, you know, <laughs> go back and, and hear, listen to that again if you, if you need a reminder in the protesting tips um, for the UK. You always wanna make sure you're prepared for, it, for the worst that can happen. 
So it's so, so important to, you know, look out for you and look out for the people who are protesting with you as well. But also, um, so to be specific to the UK, um, we've talked a lot about kettling so far. And bear in mind that if the police choose to kettle you in the UK, you could be there for a very long time. So on the 6th of June, just recently, some protesters were kettled in London until 2 a.m. Um, on this note, make sure to bring food and water in case you are kettled. Um, it can be, as we say, you can be there for a really long time and it's best to keep hydrated and keep nourished in order to get through it and not be too exhausted and too drained. Now, if you are arrested in the UK, the police should explain to you, firstly, that you're being arrested, secondly, what offence you're being arrested for, and thirdly, why it is necessary to arrest you in order to prevent the commission of this offence. If you are arrested, we would advise you to say no comment to everything the police say, including casual conversation. So even if the police have already arrested you, already sort of told you what's going on, they might want to then, they might try to engage you in what you might think is a normal conversation. So like, oh, how long have you been here for then? Keep answering no comment. The police actually aren't allowed to question you away from the police station. They're supposed to, once they arrest you, they're supposed to take you to the police station straight away and only question you there. So keep saying no comment because they can use anything you say from the moment of arrest until you're charged, until you're released from the police station. So keep saying no comment, no comment, no comment until you've spoken to a lawyer. So in terms of legal help, um, it might not be as obvious in the UK because obviously we have seen a lot on social media about the various bail funds and legal organisations across the US that are helping people out. But there are also firms of solicitors that have pledged themselves to helping people with legal advice in the UK and helping protesters and who have also sent legal observers to the protests. This is really great. Um, so in England, a few solicitors firms that you can contact if you have been arrested or if you've had any interaction with the police that has made you uncomfortable or has given you reason for suspicion that they might have targeted you or if you've been fined, um, there are a few firms and that's ITN, Hodge Jones Allen, Bindman's and Commons. So all of those, just Google them and you'll find their number to be able to um, both write their number on your arm, as we said before, in terms of the, in reference to the US, write their number on your arm, take it to the protest. Um, but also afterwards, if you've been released or if you've just gone home from the protest, but you feel like you want to speak to a lawyer, phone one of those, um, one of those firms. And then in Northern Ireland, Phoenix Law, which are based in Belfast, they're a human rights firm, have also pledged themselves to helping protesters. And if you're fined in Northern Ireland, Alliance for Choice have set up a fund to help pay your fine. So I would get in touch with them also so that you don't have to pay the fine. Yeah, and I would definitely, if you're in the United States, definitely go to aclu.org um, and check that out. They have a lot of resources um, and a lot of uh, legal resources for you if you are protesting in the United States. So I think the last part that we wanted to talk about was, you know, protesting um, as a non-black person um, and what you can do to sort of help your black brothers and sisters uh, who are protesting. So just to start off, I think it would be good to recognize that non-black people and in particular white people 
I would say I almost have a duty to show up for these protests. I mean, it's it's part of recognizing your place in the system of white supremacy and, you know, to to really support and put your put your body on the line, put your voice on the line in order to support black people and to to show your your empathy and um, that you are really getting behind the movement. I don't think there's an excuse for staying home unless you're physically not able to or, you know, unless um, you're staying home because of health reasons. Anything like that, obviously, that, that makes total sense. But I've seen a lot of um, white people, especially online, questioning whether it's their place to be at a protest in the first place. And I think what we're trying to get at with this section of the podcast is it absolutely is your place. And you should be out there. You should be, you know, standing up um, with with black people and alongside black people. Um, but as a non-black person, you should also do it in a way that's respectful and in a way that amplifies and pushes forward and pushes up black voices, which obviously should take priority within the protest space um, and in a way that helps protect um, the black protesters and make sure that they are not targeted by law enforcement. Um, so when you're looking at, you know, there are so many protests being um, organized. And I think one thing that is really important to consider is who is organizing that protest. If you're not a black person, this is really like protests are a great space for you to listen. So listen to other people um, talking about these issues. Listen to the speakers. It's really an opportunity for you to reflect. So to reflect on your privilege. Um, reflect on why you are fighting for this injustice alongside them. Um, and I think it's also really important as well to kind of look at who's organizing the, the protests. So look at the speakers, look at the organizers, um, you know, ask yourself questions like, are these people black activists? Are there black speakers? Look at who's funding this protest. And this also goes into making sure that a protest is legitimate um, so make sure that, you know, you have verified the organization um, that is uh, putting on this protest. And this also goes back to your safety as well, because, you know, a, a, an organization that has, you know, experience with, with organizing protests, for example, in Toronto, like Not Another Black Life, um, will have in place measures that can sort of ensure that you are more safe as opposed to just, um, you know, a random protest organized um, by, you know, by an activist who, let's say, doesn't have as much experience. So make sure you've done your research before you attend a protest to, um, to just ensure that you are being as safe as possible. And as part of that research, especially as a non-Black ally, you can have opportunities to volunteer with those organizations, such as the one you've talked about there, Mona. Um, you can volunteer to steward at the protest and help organize it and um, and help direct the protest in a way that isn't putting your voice you're not you know you're not grabbing the megaphone you're you're the one um standing in the wings like helping make sure people are safe helping make sure that the protest runs according to plan and that can be a really valuable role if you want to take a more active role in the running of the of the protest um, and that's especially important um as white people because police will often target the organizers of the protest. And if you're part of that, and if you're part of um, the people who are stewarding the protest, then that can really help because it makes sure that it's not only a group of black organizers that are being targeted here. 
And on that note, even as someone who's, um, who's attending the protest in a normal capacity, it's really important to recognize that if you're a non-black person, the police are less likely to target you and less likely to injure you if they are taking actions against protesters. And you can use this to your advantage. So use your body, like get in the way of police. Um, if they're coming towards black protesters, get in the way, intervene, put your body between them to protect black protesters. There've been a lot of images circulating online at the minute of um, white protesters forming lines to help um, between black protesters and the police. And um, I certainly think that's really powerful and um, shows that you're you're really willing to to put yourself, you know, to 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 use your privilege in order to protect other people. Definitely, I hundred percent agree. I think that's a very powerful way of being a very active ally and really um, and really showing your solidarity. Hundred percent. Also, I think we are living in very different times and. As all of you know, we are living during the COVID-19 pandemic. And so this isn't just protesting as usual. This is protesting during a global pandemic. And so there are a couple of things that, you know, you need to take into consideration um, before you go out to protest. So if you do feel sick, um, if you are showing symptoms, if you aren't feeling well, please do not go to a protest. Please choose to stay home and help out in other ways. Um, also, make sure you are wearing your masks. Um, I think a lot of people are starting to remove their masks and, uh, you know, as it gets warmer and as things start to sort of ease up, but don't be one of those people. <laughs> Understand that your masks protects others and their masks protects you. So just make sure you're wearing a mask at all times. Make sure you have hand sanitizer on hand and make sure you practice effective socially, social distancing. Speaking of online discussion and media discussion, there's a lot of, you know, focus on the looting and the destruction of property um, in the media. And you see this narrative of like dangerous riots and like fire and like, oh no, what's happening? And I, and I think that discussion is really inherently racist because what it really does is it, it shows <laughs> that, you know, and if you're one of those people who is more focused on looting and property destruction, then I think that's something that you really need to reconsider because it, it essentially demonstrates that you value material goods and you value property more than, you know, human life. And so I think changing the narrative and focusing more on, you know, the destruction of property is really problematic and it, um, it essentially, it removes sort of attention from the real thing that is at stake, which is, you know, black people are dying at a disproportionate rate. The, the, the state is violent. Um, our systems are racist. And I think it, it focuses on the wrong thing. So don't be one of those people who focuses on the looting and the property destruction. Understand the root reasons for why people are protesting in the first place, which is injustice. Yeah, that's really important because as we've seen also, protests are now being reported on, especially sort of on the right-wing press, as this like nuisance and this danger to society, especially um, with the pandemic. So the protesters have been um, targeted online for like being this like new wave. They're going to start a new wave. They're going to spike the levels again. Um, and it's really important to show the protests are being held in this way that is safe for everyone 
in order to sort of fend off that criticism, right? So if you, if you are unable to protest, don't forget that you can also be a very effective ally. Um, we mentioned in our previous episodes, so the first episode, um, we need to talk about race. Please do check that out. Um, we've mentioned ways in which you can help and be an effective ally. We've also uh, linked many resources, to anti-racism resources on our website. So do check them out. Um, and do, you know, do many of the things like signing petitions, sending emails, calling your MPs, calling your local offices, your local officials, petitioning, um, you know, learning, there are, donating. There are many ways that you can help. So don't think that just because you're sitting at home, you can't be an effective ally. I couldn't agree more. And just one more point um, on that. Again, focusing on white and non-black ally protesters it's really important, really, really important for you not to engage in any looting or property damage and definitely not to incite it. Don't make a protest violent or destructive. If black protesters want to express their um, their anger and their frustration through that behavior, leave that to them. Don't incite it and then bring the police's attention to the protest through your criminal action. Your role is to be an ally, not to um, bring the protest into danger here. And then that also goes, that sort of allyship also goes to not derailing the conversation when the protest's going on. So don't try and grab the microphone or the megaphone away from black speakers. Don't start chants, leave that to the organizers, leave that to, um, to black activists within the protest. And take this opportunity to, as Muna said earlier, listen and reflect, reflect on your own privilege, reflect on your place in the movement. And then finally, I mean, this should go without saying, but don't use the protests as clout for your Instagram. You know, we've we've covered this in another episode, but um, protests are not the time for a photo shoot. They're not the time to um, use your brand ambassador role for whatever skinny tea or legging company that you're <laughs> that you're vlogging on Instagram. Step back and recognize that you can play a powerful role in the protests, but that role is a supporting role and it's supporting black activists and black voices and elevating them using your privilege and putting your body, putting your voice out there on the line in order to really be that support. So I think that wraps up this episode. Just to acknowledge some of our sources, um, a lot of the information here came from various organizations who have put up incredible um, resources on Instagram. I'm going to compile as many of those as I can from the scripting of this episode, and they're all going to be on our website. I'm also going to mention the two UK um, legal NGOs, uh, Justice and Liberty, um, from which I got lots of the information about the legality of protests in the UK this episode. So we hope this episode has been of help if you're thinking of or if you already have been out protesting. We want you to do so. We want you to do it safely and effectively. Thanks for listening to this episode of Declarations. I'm Helen Jennings. I'm Muna Gasson. And you can find all of our previous episodes on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts or any other streaming service. Please also check out our website, declarationspod.com, where you can find information and resources related to our series on the Black Lives Matter movement. Stay safe, know your rights, and good luck. 
this is Declarations.